0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I hope you are doing well right now. This is, depending on when you're listening to this, this is the time where we are still in quarantine due to COVID-19. It is April, and I've decided to record as many podcast episodes as I possibly can to try and get them published for you the next couple weeks, since I have a little bit of extra time on my hands. Today's episode, we are talking to Ashley, and she lives in Wisconsin in the United States, and she is gonna tell us about her journey with endometriosis and a couple other chronic, I don't know if they're chronic conditions, but some other discoveries that she had made along the way. I do want to let you know that there is a possible trigger warning in here. We do talk about pregnancy at the very end of the podcast, about 53 minutes in. So if that is something that may be a trigger for you, I just wanted to let you know that we do discuss that. And lastly, I wanted to let you know that I have created a Facebook group for the community that listens to this podcast. My goal with that group is for us to be able to discuss the episodes, for me to tell you when new episodes are live, and then also have the people who have told their stories in the group in case you have further questions. So on Facebook, you can search for the group, and it's just The Cycle Endometriosis Podcast. I'd love to see you there, discuss the show further, and I hope you are all doing well and staying well and safe during this crazy time in our lives. Take care. Stay well. Thank you for listening. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Cycle Podcast. I'm very grateful to have my friend Ashley here with me today. She is from Wisconsin. We have been chatting on Instagram for a very long time and we were planning on doing this podcast a little bit later, but due to the circumstances that everybody has a little extra time on their hands, we moved up our session and we are going to share her story with you today. Again, thank you for being here and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Well, why don't we just start off from the beginning, tell us just a little about yourself it, it, again, non-endo, like just, just a little recap about you.
1: Sure. So I'm from Wisconsin, born and raised in uh, Pewaukee, Wisconsin, which is about 30 minutes west of Milwaukee. If you have an idea of where Milwaukee is or anybody, any listeners out there, um, I currently, I'm married. I um, work as a pediatric speech language pathologist. So I work with really tiny little ones all the way from birth to three years old. And I go into the homes and I work with them. Um, I primarily work with the kiddos and the uh, family and caregivers. A lot of the kids I see have not only speech and language disorders but also feeding and swallowing issues so, I love my job. It's like my totally, total d- dream job. Um, I love it. I'm very thankful. And uh, my husband's an engineer. So, uh, it's just the two of us. And uh, yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you for that little recap. So, how
0: far are you yeah. from Geneva Lakes? Because uh, we have a theater there.
1: Geneva Lakes. I actually don't even know how far we are from I there. I know.
0: That, well, I know that. I've flown into Milwaukee. This is totally not related, but, and it was like a 40 minute drive for me to get there from Milwaukee going North.
1: Okay. Yeah. I would estimate probably, then we're probably, probably close to actually 45 minutes or like an hour. I would, I would. Yes.
0: Well, good to know in case I'm ever back in town. I'll let you know. Yes,
1: absolutely. Well,
0: let's jump into, I want to hear about your story. And, you know, I always like to start from the beginning. So do you remember when you first started your period?
1: Oh, I sure do. I was 12 years old, um, seventh grade. I'll never forget. I was just distraught. And I remember running downstairs to tell my mom and she was you know, excited and oh, congratulations, you know, you're a woman and all of that, you know, <laughs> all that excitement from the mom. Um, and I remember I was in pain. I mean, from then on, that, that very first period was painful.
0: Yeah, right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So in middle school, this is like middle school-ish age and then going into high school, Were your periods painful every single month that you can, I mean, it's hard to remember every single
1: detail, but like generally. Generally, yes, they were. Generally, every period was painful. And I remember bringing it up to my mom and she kind of, you know, she acknowledged me. I don't think she, she didn't believe me or anything, but she just kind of said, you know, yeah, some, some women have more pain than others. That's just yeah. how it is. And yeah. I thought, okay, well, I guess this is normal. Yeah. Um, so I I thought it was normal, but I mean, it was heavy bleeding, that leg pain, back pain. I ended up taking ibuprofen throughout my whole period, which sometimes lasted up to like nine days, oh um, sometimes 10 days, sometimes even 11 days. Like I just was like, this is never going to stop. Bleeding was heavy. I mean, it was it was like a crime scene basically every month, yeah. and at that time, um, I also, I would say it was just before high school, so I mean, I guess eighth grade about, I started getting really bad stomach pain, and so my mom took me to the doctor, and they diagnosed me with chronic constipation, um, you know, he also said, I don't think your colon is moving the way that it should like he he didn't think my colon had like that peristalsis it needs to like keep things going makes sense right so I was like okay sure and what so, do you know I mean, you're in eighth grade like what do okay. I know and my <laughs> mom you know was worried about me sure. so um the doctor said I'm gonna put you on Miralax you know this will help keep you regular and it did help yeah um which I was thankful for at that time so then as I got into high school periods were just as painful. I was really active. I played sports. I was really involved in extracurricular activities. Um, And then I would say like my sophomore, junior year, that's when the stomach pain like started to get worse. And that's when I started struggling with like severe fatigue, like kind of out of nowhere. I just was like so tired all the time.
0: Did you miss any like events? Like you sound like you were very active and doing all these things for you staying home. Did you stay home the first couple days of your period? I'm going to turn my work email off because it's just going to keep dinging.
1: This, That's like, fine. No worries. I get it. I know I put my, I made sure to put my stuff on, on silent just to be sure. Um, I actually didn't stay home. I just, okay. I pushed through everything oh. and I literally lived off of ibuprofen. Like yeah. Same I thing. had,
0: I, yeah same thing. I mean, mean, you just figure out a way to, to live with it. Right. So, well, your stomach pain starts to get bad, but at any point where you like, gosh, my friends don't have nine day periods. Like why am I like, they don't have this kind of pain or you just, it's not something you really talked about.
1: At that time, it wasn't really something that I talked about um I did have my best friend who was still my best friend at the time I I do remember she had really heavy periods like me so and we spent I mean we were attached at the hip so I think because she also struggled with that sure. um I thought okay this has to be normal I mean right I remember she she dealt with more of the the heavy periods than the pain although I don't know it thinking back like I didn't go around and, you know, really ask my girlfriends. We just didn't really talk about it that much. Um, but I remember, you know, I, I played soccer, varsity soccer throughout my whole college career. And anytime I would be in my period, I was like, you know, I would wear my, um, gosh, what are they called? My like under armor, why can't I think of the name like spandex like spandex under my shorts yeah I was like do I need to wear like three pairs of underwear because like any and we had white uniforms oh gosh so I remember that was like a nightmare I was yeah. so afraid I would just start bleeding through my through everything because yeah. I usually did yeah. you know um but no I would say I, I didn't really miss anything I was super social I had a big group of friends in high school and um yeah near the tail end of it. I remember my senior year started to get really hard. Yeah. So the stomach pain started to get really bad. Yes. Really bad. And I just remember being like bent over, you know, in the nurse's office or whatever we had back in high school. I don't even remember. No, it was. Um, I mean, at least we had like a nurse's office. And I mean, they didn't know what to do with me you know, they yes. were like, Oh honey, you probably just need to, you know, go to the bathroom or whatever. And, and I was this pain, know. was it, sorry to interrupt you,
0: but was this pain outside of your period too? Was this all yes. the time? Okay. I think yes. that's an important it, point to point out to people because people always think, not probably people with endometriosis, but people who may be listening to this, this is something that can be every single day. This isn't just
1: i I'm on my period. This is like every day you don't feel well. Exactly. And that definitely started to become more apparent as I got older. Like when I was younger, it was mostly just primarily when I was bleeding, but this started to be constant stomach pain all the time.
0: Right. So what did you do next? So you're now in high school, you're a senior, this is starting to get really bad. I'm assuming you're probably going to go see a GI doctor if I had to guess.
1: Yes. So I was trying to kind of think of this as I was going through everything yesterday. High school, moving on to college, I didn't really, the GI doctors actually came after my undergrad career, which I'll get into a little bit more. Sure. But, so I graduated from high school. Um, I went to college in Eau Claire, which is like three and a half hours away from my hometown. And my periods continued to be just as painful and heavy. Um, I remember getting really bad acne in college, which was so difficult. I mean, you're in college. My boyfriend, I was in a long-distance relationship. My husband now at the time, he was in Milwaukee. I was in Eau Claire. I had great friends in college. Some of my friends actually um, I went to high school with. So I was thankful sure. to have them there. But. Um, the acne and the stomach pain and the heavy periods just continued yeah. throughout college. Mm-hmm.
0: And you just kept um, pushing forward. Like this is normal. Don't yes. think any, You don't think anything of it. Like this is just my life.
1: Yes. And I just, <laughs> I literally thought that that was normal. And I think that is a big thing in our world that is like a wake up call when we kind of start to do our own research and learn about this disease. Like that's the big mistake is that so many young women think that this is normal until they're told otherwise. So, um, so, and then the other thing, when I turned 21, obviously drinking legal drinking age, I wasn't a heavy drinker, but I just remember I would have like one or two drinks. And the next morning I was in so much pain. Not okay. like the hangover headache. Like it was all in my stomach and I was like, I didn't drink heavily last night. Right. And you know, you're in college, mm-hmm. cheap beer, you know what I mean? Yo, like yeah. house parties, things like that. And um, and again, I thought that that was normal too. I never really like brought it up to my roommates or my friends. I just thought, huh, okay, well, I guess this is how it's going to be every time I drink. Yeah. And I, I still drink, you know, I course. didn't want to
0: you it's just why would you think anything different like I remember always being the most hungover like I was the most like tired hungover and I'm like watching my friends who are like fine and I'm just like I'm like is there something wrong with me like they drank more than I did I didn't
1: even drink that much and I would be like done for the next day yes Melissa I felt the same way I didn't understand it I was so confused I was like is there something wrong with me? Yeah. And little did we know there, <laughs> there, there was is, but at <laughs> yeah. the time, right? Um. So yeah, my undergrad career, you know, continued. I went home a lot on the weekends because I really didn't feel that great. Yeah. I missed my family. I'm a huge homebody, and you know, you just when you don't feel good, you just want to be home. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um. So as you know that basically went on throughout entire undergrad. Um, so then I graduated from college and at this point I moved back home and I got my first job, um, wanted to save up some money. So moved back in with my parents and I started working at, um, a childcare center, um, for my field. And ivory field is a little bit different when you go, uh, to school for speech pathology, you have to get your master's degree. And so having a bachelor's doesn't really get you anywhere, Um, but I really lucked out. I found a assistant job, um, which was great. I was able to get a lot of experience, but this is really when like everything hit the fan, so to speak. My health just declined like rapidly. Um, And when I say that, I mean, here's when I started seeing GI doctor, after GI doctor, after GI doctor.
0: Can I ask you a random question? before, Like right before that happened, did anything like traumatic happen to you? Like a car accident or like a a fall or, or anything like that? Just something I've kind of noticed with some people that have endo, like anything out of the ordinary?
1: Yeah. So I don't know if this counts, but I ended up getting a really bad virus um norovirus which Mm -hmm. is like affects your GI tract um I picked that up twice actually within like six months apart of each other and that really messed up my stomach I mean it was two years like I I was so sick and I I often wonder too if that kind of triggered everything like you kind of said
0: so crazy I mean a couple people I talked to, someone got in a car accident and their endo got really bad. I was rock climbing and fell 20 feet and mine got really oh bad. Like I gosh. had it before that, but then it was right. like, like where you said all of a sudden you started to just go downhill quickly. Same thing happened to me. And then I talked to, to someone else who had like another, I can't remember what the trauma was, but it was something like physical, like a broken yes. leg or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very, I mean, again, not a doctor, but I just... I do you think there's some sort of correlation there?
1: Oh, I'm sure there is. There's no doubt. And I also was in a really bad uh, accident in soccer. I had a knee surgery. I mean, who knows? Yeah. But it, it does make you wonder, you know what I mean? I mean, our yeah. bodies kind of, everything works together. So if what? you kind of, one thing kind of is triggered, it's going to trigger everything else. So I totally agree with you on that. I think
0: it could be potentially inflammation related, like Mm -hmm. this disease, but then all of a sudden you had something that made it get really angry.
1: Yes. Oh yes. So anyway, continue. Yeah. So I got that norovirus, which was Mm. probably the worst illness I've ever had. I probably should have been hospitalized, but I wasn't. And I I mean, my stomach, I, I kept going back to the doctor and I was like, I couldn't eat anything. I was at this point, I was losing weight. And they said, you know, unfortunately with a virus like this, it can take up to like a year until your stomach goes back to normal. And I had already been dealing with stomach problems. Sure, right. Sure. So here I am sitting there like, okay, what am I supposed to do? So they tell me, okay, anytime you eat an apple, I want you to take the peel off. Like don't eat as much fiber. Right. Okay. made made sense at the time. Um, so I kind of floated around to different GI physicians, mm-hmm. found recommendations through friends, um, saw, I don't know, I don't know, a ton, I mean, right. close to like six or seven, right? Yeah, at this point. So I ended up finding a pretty good doctor who, you know, decided, okay, I want to make sure you don't have celiac, I want to make sure there's nothing going on internally. So I had the colonoscopies, the endoscopies. They tested me for parasites. Um, I mean, literally everything on your yeah. book, right? Right. And you're, course, like 20, well,
0: you're like 22, 23. You're like, yep. I am young. What is going on?
1: Yeah. And that's exactly what most of these doctors said is, I really think it's just IBS, but like, let's take, yeah, a, let's take a closer look. And at, at this point, I'm sure you can relate to this and every other woman out there struggling with this disease you want them to find something because you're so sick of just being told nothing is wrong. You're fine. Just, just eat more, eat less fiber, eat more fiber, you know, don't drink milk or whatever the case may be. Or here's this medication. So that's basically kind of what happens throughout those next couple of months. Um, And so again, going back to, well, everything looks normal. So you know, I really think it's just IBS at this point. There are medications that can help. I wasn't really, um, going to say no to trying medications at that point. Um, but I quickly learned I was way too sensitive. I mean, half the time these medications either make you feel worse or they don't do really anything at all. Yeah. And then you're looking at the side effects and I remember like reading them out loud and it was like, fatigue, headache, diarrhea, stomach pain. And I was like, wait a minute, how is this going to help me? This is what I already have. <laughs> and I remember picking it up at the pharmacy and, and telling the pharmacist this. I was like, do you know how this is going to help me? And they kind of just gave me like this blank stare. And they're like, well, this is what your doctor wants you to take. And I was like, I don't really want to take this. So I'm going to leave this here. Yeah. Um,
0: And I think that women with endo are sensitive to medications too. I know I personally am very sensitive to medications. I need smaller doses than whatever is ever prescribed. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Yes.
1: Yeah. And again, doctors, you know, you tell them this and they kind of make you feel like you're the bad person or it's your fault. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I remember a doctor saying to me, why do you think that you are sensitive to this and i'll tell them it gives me explosive diarrhea like (laughs) i kid you not you know and um i don't know why i'm getting explosive diarrhea why would i why would i do you think that i'm like playing mind tricks to give myself right these issues so anyways that was tough um just because again in my 20s um at this point i again was losing a lot of weight after getting that virus um and i was again really active kind of like you i know you like to work out and exercise and i was kind of slowly not really able to do a lot of that anymore so losing a lot of muscle at this point eating was like a challenge i thought they were gonna have to put in a feeding tube at one point which one doctor actually brought up because i was so just skin and bones at that point um so let me flip to my next page here So then we're in 2014. Um, I started, I got accepted into a master's program at Eau Claire that was virtual. So I was able to do that online. And this is kind of when I started going to see OBGYNs more because I was struggling with the pelvic pain. At this time, I had my first cyst rupture, which I didn't know what it was at the time, but now I do because I've had a bunch. Was
0: was
1: your pelvic pain starting
0: to get to be daily along with the stomach pain
1: yes Mm -hmm. very much combined
0: yeah what symptoms just because people who are just starting their journey it's hard for us because we talk about this so much and we're we're more veterans in this but people who are Mm -hmm. just starting to listen to this they may not even be diagnosed yet are there mm-hmm. any symptoms specifically? I mean, you said skin and bones, you weren't able to eat, and that was probably from the virus and endo. Yeah, fine, right. But you also had pelvic pain, and was it just nausea? What were some of the symptoms that you had in, that might help people, and were they daily, or did they flow with your cycle, like ovulation? Just anything like that that you can remember. I know it's probably hard, but could help. Oh,
1: no, I remember. I remember. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm sure not all of it, but I would say definitely one of – One of the biggest symptoms for me um, was, and still is, pain during ovulation. Just very severe, sharp pains in my lower pelvic abdomen. Um, And that has been like forever. Um, Really bad leg pain and low back pain, even like leading up to my period. So I always knew that it was coming within the next couple of days. Cause I would start to get that leg pain and just throbbing leg pain. I mean, from the back all the way going down to my, my feet. Um, would
0: it go down like the back of your leg? Almost like, a yes. Sci- okay. Like a
1: sciatic. Yes. Okay. Yep. Kind of like a sciatic pain. And I also had this when I was young and they thought that they were like growing pains, like, sure. cause I, I, they would keep me up at night. Um, headaches for sure really bad headaches yes. and um nausea so basically everything that you said and severe belly bloat too
0: yeah and then, and again this was this is every day this isn't just during your period and it was probably just enhanced during your period
1: and ovulation yes okay. yeah okay. that's good to know
0: okay thank you yeah
1: yeah for sure so at this point i i think this was like one of my first visits to the OBGYN. And I remember she kind of went through a list of questions. You know, are your periods painful? How long do they last? Are they heavy? Pain with intercourse? All these things. And I remember her saying to me, there's something that I can do to help you. It's a surgery. And I think we need to do this right away. Hmm. But I don't recall her saying to me here's what i think is going on here's what it is and here's what we can do it was more so okay this is what i can do and it's going to help you yeah um i'm sure that she did say you know endometriosis came up but there was there was a really big explanation of the disease sure if that makes sense totally makes sense so at that time you know I was youngish in my 20s maybe i was a little bit naive i wasn't really into i mean the internet isn't what it what it is today you know at that point yes okay. we still had google and stuff but i wasn't really wanting to come home and do research like i am now sure so mm-hmm. i thought to myself oh go ahead you trusted your doctor
0: you trusted yes. your
1: doctor that's i trusted my doctor And, um, I remember I told her I'd go home and think about it. And then she ended up calling me that following week. I was like, what did you decide? And I said, you know, I really just don't want to have a surgery right now. Um, she's like, okay, well know that I'm here if you need me. But again, I think, I don't know if I was just naive or I thought this is going to go away, whatever it is. Like, it's not a big deal. At least I kind of have an idea of why this is happening but I didn't though still. And that's the thing. I feel like it wasn't, there wasn't really a good explanation. Yeah. Um, did and she, it was a long time ago, so maybe there's things that I'm not remembering, but did she uh, order, I just,
0: did you have an ultrasound? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's good.
1: I, yep. And I remember my first ultrasound was like to follow up on a complex cyst that I had. Yeah. And then that's kind of when they just kind of continued, you know, yeah. the ongoing scans and things like that. So, I decided I'm not going to have the surgery again, naive maybe, but I was young. So I was like, whatever, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So then a year passes about and I had to switch OBGYNs because my first doctor left the practice. And I remember he was a male OBGYN. He was awesome and had a couple more ultrasounds at that point. And at this point they ended up seeing something that was, concerning to them and they suggested like an MRI to follow up and I was like okay well this is kind of weird um and what it ended up being was a huge uterine fibroid that grew extensively over one year and they said this was not here a year ago so this is you know a pretty big deal yeah um and I was kind of you know I had my specialist, I had GI, I had endocrinology, yeah. I had OBGYN. And um I remember my GI doctor had ongoing concerns that I would end up with like a bowel obstruction at some point because, you know, always backed up. And so I remember at this time, not only was I getting ultrasounds, but I was also getting abdominal x-rays to make sure I wasn't super backed yeah. up to the point where they would need to go in. So this is kind of when all the lovely scanning and hospital trips and all that really, I mean, I was going to see somebody every week at this point. How old are you at this point? I am 25 at this point. Okay. So again, another year passes. So now we're in 2016 Mm -hmm. and um, I had to switch doctors again, believe it or not. For some reason, all these doctors, um, I mean, I get it. People find different jobs and stuff. Sure. I really went through a lot of OBGYNs at this point, which was fine. So I found, um, I found a different OBGYN, and she seemed to know quite a bit about endometriosis um, and specialized in minimally invasive surgery. I told her all about my symptoms. She reviewed all of my scans with me. And after kind of discussing it with her, she said, you know, this fibroid is massive. It's like double the size of my uterus at this point. And she says, we really need to get this out because it's just going to keep getting bigger. Right. And at that point, I kind of knew I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to have this. So she, uh, we also kind of talked about how, you know, how it was sitting on all my other organs and she said this is probably why you, you're having so much so much constipation because it's pushing on everything sure. and it's like that makes sense so I, I was like sweet she can take this out and I'll feel right. great so I'll right. be better all your answers awesome. right there all my answers <laughs> and she did say so I'll remove the fibroid and if there's any endometriosis in there I'll remove that too Okay. At that time, I didn't know exactly what that meant, obviously, but I just said, okay, you're going to take it out. Sure. I'll get better. This is awesome. Yeah. So I remember being really nervous. I was so worried that the fibroid, they didn't know if it was benign or cancerous. Sure. You know, they don't know until they go in. It was benign, but I, of course, I was so nervous. I remember first, second, my second pretty significant surgery at this point. And, um, I remember waking up from the surgery and I was in pain and I was in pain. Um, they, one of my incisions is above my belly button and it ended up just taking forever to heal. I got like a, uh, one of those hematomas in there, mm. which is like uh what is it, like tissue, like full yeah. of blood, blood. that just takes forever to heal. To heal. Yeah. And, um, recovery was so rough for me. I ended up in the ER that same night because I couldn't keep water down. I was they shouldn't have sent me home basically is what it came down to. I was not ready to be sent home. No. They gave me way too much anesthesia. I mean I and I was under ninety pounds at this point. Oh my goodness. My poor husband, he he calls and I mean I don't even remember coming home from the surgery. I don't remember I just remember him waking me up and saying, honey, we have to go back to the hospital. And I was like, what? I wasn't urinating on my own yet. I mean, it was, it was bad.
0: Why did so, they send you home?
1: That it was the biggest thing. And I remember my mom was just furious, yeah. you know, she, cause I remember I had said to them, I struggle with post-op nausea and vomiting. Mm-hmm. They said, "We'll give you this ear patch and da da da." And that didn't do anything. I was like, no. "I need Zofran. <laughs> I need Zofran." They give me Zofran for colonoscopies. Yeah. Like, I need this. Mm-hmm. And I think they did give me Zofran, but but it wasn't it wasn't enough. It was not enough. Oh,
0: well, and you were so tiny, you probably couldn't handle yeah. all that.
1: I couldn't handle it. So, um, yeah, I had to go to the ER a couple times, and they. They were like, well, sometimes organs can perforate after surgeries like this, so we're going to do a CT scan, and that was fine. Everything came back normal, but I was just, it was that post-op nausea vomiting that I just couldn't get over.
0: So did you talk to your doctor at, at any point? Yeah, I, what was the prognosis after this? So
1: thankfully, the, the main hospital that my physician is at Um, It's a uh, teaching hospital, one of the biggest hospitals in Milwaukee. And so she was able to see that I, you know, was in fact in the emergency room. And I went back to her, I'm sure, for that post op, you know, Mm a couple weeks after. And she, you know, I told her, gosh, this incision above my belly button just is killing me. And I had finally, after a couple days, I had finally been able, I mean, it wasn't easy, but finally drinking water and, Mm -hmm. you know, eating a little bit more now at this point. But I remember they had to switch my pain meds around because nothing was really helping. Right. Um, as we're all very different with the way that we absorb medications and things like that. Yeah. So I remember her switching. I was like, this is not helping. And so, um, finally found something that seemed to work. It, It took weeks though, which I was like, Frustrated about because yeah. they're like, oh, you'll be back to work in, you know, two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. I still can't believe, by <laughs> the way, that they say this because yeah. it is far from true.
0: So far from true. So far from, I mean, six weeks isn't even reasonable.
1: No, no. I mean, I would say it took well over three months for me to like
0: feel get normal. back
1: to like feel normal yeah. And then a couple more months to like get moving and get back into the swing of life again. So 100%. So yeah, recovery was hard. Um, I ended up back in her office a couple of times and I remember it must've been my second post-op. I don't remember. It all kind of blurs together, yeah. but I told her, I said, my stomach is severely swollen. I'm in so much pain. And she looks at me and she's like, you really shouldn't be in this much pain anymore. Like it's been enough time that you shouldn't be having issues. So,
0: but did um, they, did she diagnose you with endometriosis at that time? Did she, yes.
1: Oh yes. I'm sorry. That's the other thing. Yeah. Did she take,
0: say. did she say that she successfully got the fibroid out? What was the yes. like prognosis? Yes.
1: yes. So I remember she talked to my husband, obviously right after the surgery sure. and said, I successfully removed the fibroid. And her words were there was quite a bit of endometriosis in there too. Yeah. So I burned most of it out and then I cut some of it out. Okay. So aka she used the ablation primarily. Yeah. And then the excision like only for a couple like certain areas smaller. Did areas. she stage yeah.
0: you? did she stage you? Did she give you a, no? Because she probably didn't know how to right. do that.
1: Right. Or maybe she did. She just didn't tell me. And I didn't sure. really think to ask at that point. Right. So I knew at this point I had that diagnosis. Um, and which yeah, that, was, But when you got
0: that, did you Google it? Did you know what it meant? At this point?
1: At this like, point? I have this I, thing. Yeah. and she
0: she took it out. So I'm fine. Yes.
1: Yes. You're, yes. The second thing you said, I would say yeah. I still, I still wasn't big into research yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at this point. So I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to be better. Like in a year I'll be great. I'll be yeah. ready to go. And that was not the case. Six months went past and I was in worse pain than I was before the surgery. Yeah. Six months. That's all it took. Mm-hmm. And I told my surgeon this and she, she looked at me like I was crazy. She said, there's no way there's no way it's, it's been six months. This sounds like more of a GI issue. And I think you need to go back to your GI doctor. Oh no. It that was like my breaking point at this point, because I, I, I put so much hope into this procedure and I put my trust into her. She did an excellent job with the surgery, but I just was like, okay, you're basically gaslighting me and sending me off because you don't know what to do with me.
0: Yeah. Now was this 2017 at this point?
1: This is 2016.
0: Okay, still 2016, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, but typical as to what you say, and for people who are listening, after my first ablation, six months later, I was in the worst pain of my life and almost unable to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it,
1: it was horrible, yeah. it was horrible. And I didn't I didn't understand it. There was no clear cut answer, there was no explanation. I think the biggest thing that I misunderstood is I didn't know that it could come back. Nobody ever said that, right? Or if they I didn't leave
0: it, leave it behind, it's still there mm-hmm. and growing, and yeah,
1: yep, yeah. I just didn't have that knowledge. So um, to some, some doctors
0: up, still, some doctors still argue that it doesn't come back. I don't. I think the jury's the jury's out, but I think based mm-hmm. on mo- multiple people I've talked to, again, not a doctor for anyone who's listening. It must I've had so many surgeries, and it's just yeah,
1: you've had how many now eight six so six. <gasps> there's still a lot i can't Im- see I can't imagine having two, like yeah. this was the only endo yeah. surgery that I've had up until this point, so right it's crazy, <sighs> yeah,
0: okay, so now you're getting sent
1: off and you're frustrated what what do you do mm-hmm. after that so I end up going back to the GI doctor and he then sent me to a GI surgeon. I don't really know why. I think they just didn't know what to do with me. And so he, he thought maybe I had some really bad scar tissue, maybe getting adhesions already. So I ended up seeing a, a I think he was a general surgeon, but he specialized in certain disorders and issues like adhesions. hmm so I remember he did a bunch of other tests like that was the first time I had ever gotten a gastric emptying study mm-hmm. to kind of see how things were moving and I also found a different OBGYN because believe it or not my surgeon well she actually got pregnant and so she was going on maternity leave okay so I was like oh what am I supposed to do you're leaving now right uh, temporarily so she gave me a list of doctors and Like I got to see somebody else. Like I was, I was miserable at this point. So I found somebody who specialized in endo and pelvic floor pain. So I thought, okay, she sounds really great. I went to see her. I brought my mom with, and that was the most painful pelvic exam. I think I've ever had to go through. And I remember just, I was in tears. I was crying and she, as she was kind of doing her thing, She's like, I'm really sorry, but this is important. I need to know what your pelvic floor is doing and what it feels like. And to sum things up, she diagnosed me with severe pelvic floor dysfunction, hypertonic pelvic floor. Sure. Um, And I said, how did I get this? Like, where did this come from? She said, you probably always have had it, but unfortunately surgery can make it a lot worse. Worse. So her recommendation was to start public floor therapy. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I started that and it wasn't really super intense in the beginning. The therapist that I had started seeing mostly just worked on my tummy and cause I had, I had so much scar tissue. Yeah. It was just, it was insane. She taught me how to massage my scars and you know, we talked about bladder stuff. Cause at this point my bladder was also going crazy too. And I didn't really know why. Sure. Sure. So, um, so then 2017, this is a whole kind of a whole another story. I don't know if we, if we have enough time. Um, I, my health basically I'll try and I'll try and sum this up the best I can. Um, my health continued to, to decline in other ways. Um, I was graduating from grad school, I was just about to get married that next summer. And um, I started getting neurological symptoms, vision issues, headaches, um, a foot drop, really scary stuff that I didn't know what it was. And um, I, I ended up um, seeing a bazillion doctors at this point. They thought that I maybe had MS. So that was like my very first brain scan, my first spine scan, all of that. And I went all over the place. People were telling me I had conversion disorder. I was you know, severely depressed. I had anxiety, basically saying that I, you know, they didn't believe me. Lo and behold, another year passes. And at this point, my health was so poor that I, I couldn't get out of bed. I was bed bound. Um, so January of 2018, I was diagnosed with tethered corn syndrome and Chiari malformation. Um, I don't know if you've heard of those, nothing to do with endo, right. But for me personally, that was a big, um, a big deal kind of in my health timeline. Sure. Um, I had to have really, um, invasive, neurosurgery because my my spinal cord was basically being pulled down all the way um, our spinal cords are supposed to like move freely obviously sure and mine was tethered so it was connected by excess tissue at the bottom so if you can imagine any type of disruption to your spinal cord sure you're gonna get those neurological right symptoms and this is a really rare rare disease so I that was like the hardest time in my life oh my um, gosh. and my periods also like stopped for like four or five months during this time and nobody knew why nobody knew why um they had to like basically force me to get a period you know give me hormones and stuff still never knew why it stopped I don't know if it was just because my body kind of was going haywire
0: yeah um
1: at this point so um yeah 2000, 2018 I had neurosurgery Um, That was a whole nother surgery and intense recovery. And I was also diagnosed with a connective tissue disorder. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Mm
0: -mm.
1: So Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, we call it EDS, is a connective tissue disorder that has to do with your collagen, which collagen makes up your whole body. Sure. So um, what, what happens is, your collagen isn't supporting your, your joints and organs and everything. Basically it's not doing its job well. So what I struggle with with that is I'm really hypermobile.
0: Mm-hmm. So I get
1: a lot of subluxations and dislocations in my joints and stuff. Right. Um, but again, like this diagnosis came way late. Like I was born with this. It's a genetic thing. Right. Um, so I ended up getting a lot more answers in 2018. Oh my definitely goodness. the hardest year of my life, and that's like summing it up i don't yeah, I don't need to get into all the details um about that, but um so I had this neurosurgery, oh gosh it was it was a beast, I mean, let me just say it was the hardest recovery At hospital i they couldn't get my vitals stable. I almost went into cardiac arrest like it was it was bad yeah, I was like thankful just to like survive that so. So fast forward to 2019, my periods are just insane. I am bleeding so heavy at this point. I'm having to take oxycodone because I can't, it's affecting everything. Um, My work is affected. I'm not able to really do much at all. I mean, I was staying at home all the time, all the time. And um, so again, I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm trying to exercise. I'm, I'm gluten and dairy free. I'm seeing a nutritionist, you know, doing everything that you really basically can be doing to help yourself. Yeah. And it still at this point, wasn't helping. So I found Nancy's Nook group on Facebook and I was like, Oh my gosh, maybe I need to find an excision specialist. Like maybe it's time for another surgery. Yeah. And I remember talking to you about this cause I just didn't know what to do at this point. I was like, really don't want to have another surgery, but I'm miserable. Yeah. What, what do I do? So I did go see an excision specialist in January and he was great. I mean, he, he seemed to really get it and even like praised me. Cause he's like, I can tell that you, you do your research and you know about this. Yeah. So he said, um, he's like, here's what I would do. You know, I, I only do excision because ablation, he said, your first surgery basically probably was, it didn't do anything. A waste, it's like, no wonder, like, no yeah. wonder that I didn't, you know, have any su- success with it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I remember during his exam, he's like, your cervix is being pulled down by what feels like a big lesion there. Like he could feel, you know, most yeah. of it. Um, so at that point, I had to decide what to do,
0: yeah,
1: and I made my pros and cons list. I was like talking to everybody, I was talking to my mom, I was praying about it, and I was like i just I just went through this huge neurosurgery, yeah, I was, like, I don't wanna to have to go through another one, but right. I'm miserable, like yeah sometimes I feel like in our world, I mean, we, we deal with pain every single day Mm -hmm. and it's hard to kind of decide. It's sad. I feel like to have to kind of sit down and think, do I, do I, am I good enough to like have to, do I want to have another surgery to make myself feel better? Or do I just keep living with it? I don't know. I just, I feel like there's so many decisions that have to be made that are not easy. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was really hard. So, um, and at it, this point.
0: When, so you are starting to get painful periods again. How did you find Nancy's note? Did you start Googling endo at this point and figure out, Oh my gosh, this is what I have on top of
1: all of these other things that were
0: discovered in 2018.
1: So actually what happened was my, uh, a cousin of mine, she was struggling with uh fertility, and she ended up getting diagnosed with endometriosis. She had a surgery. Okay. And she didn't know that I had it. And okay. so we kind of really became really close at this point. And she is the one who recommended Nancy's Nook to me. Got it. So I heard it from her, which Got I'm it. super thankful for. Um and so that's how I found it. And, uh, yeah. at, at this point I was ready to have a surgery. I was like, sure. Okay. This is what I'm going to do. It has to be done. I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. Um, so I was about a week before I was going to go see this surgeon to talk about everything. Right. And I was at this point, I was like feeling off. I was like, getting really bad cramping. Like that brought me to the floor. And I thought, I was like, oh, stupid endo, you know, like, Yeah. and, but I was like, I don't know. And then I looked at my calendar and I'm like, huh, I'm two days late. And so I took a pregnancy test and it was positive, which was crazy, crazy. Um, I was in total shock because at this point, I had a lot of doctors tell me, you're probably going to have a hard time, you know, getting pregnant. So um, I consider myself really blessed and thankful because I I honestly didn't think it would ever happen. Were, so you guys, was,
0: were you guys trying to get pregnant or were you just like, if it happens, it happens, kind of, I'm going to have the surgery and we'll go from there?
1: Yeah, we were basically like, if it happens, it happens. Sure. And you were so, going to have surgery,
0: but... You can't because you're mm-hmm. pregnant. Well, right. Congratulations on that. And Thank that was you.
1: January. Yeah. Mhm. I find I found out at the end of January, so it was a crazy time because I feel like it was. I'm a strong, you know, I have a strong faith, and I was just praying. I didn't know what to do. I was asking God for a sign. I was like, "What do I do?" And right. this is definitely it. So um, it's been a whirlwind, but. I think it was just, it was in that moment. I was like, wow, okay, this is definitely meant to be. This is definitely meant to be.
0: Right. Well, that's fantastic. And congratulations. I mean, amazing. And you're right. Like sometimes things happen for a reason and you were just waiting for an answer and you got your answer. So Mm -hmm. that's great. And how are you feeling now for everybody who's listening? How far? How many yeah. weeks? How many weeks along are you?
1: So I'm about 15 weeks. Okay. And I'm doing well. Uh, the first trimester was very difficult for me. I was really sick like all the time, but um, once I hit like that 10 week mark, things started to improve. Good and no endo symptoms. So, no endo symptoms, which has been wild. Yeah. I mean, I, I and that's another thing that interests me is just. How endometriosis can affect pregnancy and delivery yeah. you know um, for women all over the world because it 's different for everybody, just for like sure. endo is different for everybody. I feel like pregnancy with endo
0: pregnancy yes. without
1: endo is is different for everybody
0: yeah, definitely something to just keep keep researching i don 't know much about that either, um, mm-hmm. but definitely something to keep researching and I mean you have a, a you've been through so much you 've been through so much what are some of the, I mean, all of those surgeries and everything that you got diagnosed with is very relatable to people with endo, you know? Mm -hmm. So A, you should just be like, I am a superhuman. I'm amazing. You should feel like that every day, but are there any tips or, or tricks? I mean, you had a lot of tough recoveries that helped you get through that you can share with everyone who's listening to us.
1: Yeah. So I guess the first, my first, um, advice would be never stop fighting for yourself. Um, you're your best advocate and sometimes you're your only advocate. And I learned that the hard way yeah. when I was struggling with, before I found out that I had tethered cord, nobody really, people stopped believing me. And yeah. that's kind of a whole nother story, but you really need to stand your ground because we know our bodies best and you have to just keep fighting because you're not going to get anywhere. If you give up, it's not going to do anything. So um, that's the biggest thing that I would say. And that's the biggest thing that I've learned through all of this is that you are truly your best advocate. Um, I would also say don't settle. Um, Like for me, for these last couple months before I got pregnant, I was just miserable, but I think I was giving myself that, Oh, this is, I can push through this. Like, Mm -hmm. No, like you, you deserve, we all deserve to live a happy and healthy life, you know, instead of just surviving. Like we deserve to live and not just survive.
0: Yeah, Um, absolutely. I think there's a piece of denial in there too, especially if you have endo, like someone like me, mm -hmm. I'm in pain. I deny it. I'm, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes. Yep. And and you're not, but you, Mm -hmm. you almost just
1: don't want to deal with it again. Yes, exactly, yeah exactly. So I would say, um, just remember like you are you're worth it and your life matters literally. Um, I would also say celebrate the little things, you know, even if it means uh, you're able to get up and wash your face like if you can't get out of bed, that's okay. If you can get up and wash your face, celebrate that like yeah. celebrate the little things. Um, I know for me that's like kind of a daily little saying mm-hmm. that I you know, say to myself, you know, it's the little things in life. And that's so true. Um, I love that. I would, I would also say, keep doing your research, um, find out what works for you. Everybody's a little different. Everybody has their own routines. I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, keep it on top of exercise if you can, even if it means walking around the block, keep on top of your diet, you know, whatever works for you, but in the big scheme of things, I would say just keep fighting because this disease is no walk in the park and you got to be strong to go through this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great tips. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's it. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. And like I said, you are a true hero and warrior and really appreciate you coming on today thank you thank
1: you for having me and thank you melissa for everything that you do i just i think it's amazing and i know it's it's not easy but i can tell you you are making a difference in in lives of every every woman all over the world so thank you appreciate that thank you
0: Thank you everyone so much for listening and big thanks to Ashley for sharing her story and journey and everything she's been through in the past several years. She is an absolute warrior. I appreciate you all listening so very much. If you have any feedback or questions, you can always email me melissa at booconsulting.com or you can find me on Instagram at endo underscore lady, or I'd love to see you in the new Facebook group and we can chat there. And if this podcast brought you any value or you want to see any other topics, please let me know and go to Apple where the podcasts are listed and provide feedback there and or any other way that I just listed. Again, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Take care I hope you're having a light pain day. Oh, oh,